Welcome to Take Me to the Cloud, a place for business professionals to hear insights and best practices from industry experts that combine cloud systems, operations, supply chain, and finance. Welcome to the Take Me to the Cloud podcast. This week, we're going to be focusing on risk management and uh, our risk management process here with them. I'm joined by my colleagues again, uh, Joe Ritchie and Jones Hu. Hi, everyone. This is Joe. Hey, everybody. Jones here. Awesome. So we are back after discussing resource management plans. Uh, We talked about that on our last episode together, the three of us. And I honestly think that's a perfect segue to the topic of risk management. The reason I think it's a great segue is because resource management plans and risk management, they all have to do with being proactive, right? You want to be ahead of the ball. You want to get ahead of the ball as quick as possible. And to a client, it just ensures, hey, we're watching the project's entire process and we're making sure we're running it as efficiently as possible. So when you put yourself in a client's shoes, they're undergoing a massive software change or an ERP change. And it's sometimes tough to get employees to buy in. It's sometimes tough even for executives to buy in. They can be nervous. It's a little bit uncomfortable and they're hesitant because change is just natural human behavior to be hesitant. And on top of that, inevitable risks are gonna occur over the course of a project. No project's ever gonna be perfect. We're gonna run into issues. So whether they be drastic or minuscule, it's our job as a company serving our clients to identify those risks as early on and to resolve them as efficiently as possible. And with that, Jones, you wanna get more into how we go about serving our clients with our risk management process? Yeah, sure. Well, I actually wanna just take one step back really quickly and and talk about, you know, I, I totally agree with you that risk management is a perfect perfect topic to segue into because I think that when everybody thinks of the words risk management, we often think of, you know, the funny stereotype, okay, we must check off this item, we must check off that item. We're making sure that we're containing things by thinking about them. And are they in our thoughts? Are they codified? Yes, done over, risk is managed. But throughout my time here with them, and I think throughout all of our experiences and our careers, risk management really is a fluid and iterative process. It's it's very wide reaching. It's very proactive, like you said. And it's not just about identifying and handling them or assigning weights to things that might happen, but it's also about what is the culture of controlling uh, how the unpredictable things are going to happen, right? Because the, I think the funny thing about risk management is you can't just think, something's going to happen or something's not going to happen. The unexpected may or may not happen. And that's the hard part in dealing with all of this. Now, you know, even for example, I really, really like the topic of how PMO can affect a project's performance and and stuff like that. But throughout understanding risk management, I realized that even for example, if everybody's personality on a team was transparent and communicating well, that can be part of a risk management framework. And so, Throughout this talk, I think we'll, we'll go into a bit of what frameworks work, what experiences we, we had in, in our team collectively that can measure up to it. And then hopefully it, it provides an interesting discussion for us all. So to begin, I think every risk management process or framework should have four main things. Risks need to be identified. Risks need to be evaluated. They need to be handled and they need to be controlled. And so, Joe, with these four different things that create the circle of a risk management plan. What are your thoughts about this? Do you have any experience with complex or long short type projects that have to do with risk management right off the top of your head? So I have many stories, but look, 
the key message I want to leave with everyone listening today is risk management does matter. It's not soft. It's not fluffy. It's not squishy. It does matter. And if you listen to Brad and Jonesy here, right, there are frameworks. There are conceptual frameworks. Okay. You basically, we're all talking about what can go wrong. And there's a phrase with one of my longstanding clients, CEO of a uh, private family-owned company that operates in the U.S. and in Europe. He said, Joe, my team does not know what they don't know. And we hear that quite often because people will come and say, you guys are the experts. Well, yes, in a certain respect, we are. And that's why you want to engage us. And we have seen many situations, complications, right? Different backgrounds. And I will say it's not a one size fits all, but if it's a software implementation, or maybe it's not, maybe it's just a major transformation in you're selling a business. There are still risks associated with any sort of delivery execution. And I think later we'll share some stories with you who are listening. But it is real. Just think about what can go wrong. And we start right from the beginning in our sales process. We will share with who we're going to be working with. These are risks that we see. Now, we will distinguish ourselves from others because, well, you know, I got a competitive bid and they're saying the same thing. So, yes, there's lots that is written in, in the marketplace. But Let's you know come to with them and we'll really talk about how we earn the scars on our back from working through many, many implementations, many different cultures. Let's not forget culture. It's very important. When I did a project in Poland and there were some banking regulations and how that was different than it was in the United States. So we needed to be conscious of that, but it also brought forward a risk. So let me go back to you, Jones, because I'll just keep talking. You, you know, I'm gonna give you more examples later. Yeah. So one thing that I've definitely learned is super useful for many different situations when it comes to risk management is a quick table, a tabled approach to understanding whether something will happen and whether if it happens, what the impact of it will be. And essentially, it's a formula with two parts to it. The first part being the probability of whether it'll happen between 0% to 100%. And then the second variable will be the impact of that action or event, you know, affecting the business at large. So if you think of probability as a percent between 1 to 100, and you think of that impact as a number between 1 to 5, we can really, we can really assign a probability variable and impact variable to any potential thing that might happen, and we can eventually use a collection of all of the things we've assigned variables and weights to, and we can start determining what items at large or what, what events that might happen at large are events that should be proactively rectified first or proactively prepared against first. So for example, if you have an implementation and you've got maybe integrations or you have a lot of data work and you need to clean up that data, there might be conflicting timelines, there might be resource differences, or there might just be inefficiencies between solving those problems. And a risk register might be the first step in getting all our ducks in a row, so to speak, so that we're ready for that next step, whatever it may be. 
Joe, if you have any examples or any stories off the top of your head that we might have used this model for, <laughs> handing the floor back to you. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, so look, people are all capable to digest information from my experiences. So as we make it clear, and again, we, again, start with what can go wrong. So, But Jonesy, as you were describing it, okay, it's sometimes subjective versus objective in terms of what should you stay focused on, right? But clearly, we want everything to make it to the risk register of what can go wrong. Because then we'll, we'll place attention to those scores. And remember, so how do we get to a score? Jones described impact and he described probability. So for us, right, if I look at probability, we'll go from something that's improbable to possible all the way up to unknown. And that's how we'll define if something is probable. And again, still subjective, okay? No problem. But we're getting input. We're getting you as our client as input into that. And then as equally important, Jones also said, let's understand the impact. So now when we look at the impact, we'll try to describe an impact from being negligible to marginal to critical or even to unknown. And so when we do a very simple math exercise and we take a numerical score of an impact with a numerical assignment for probability, that will generate a score. And therefore, I think what Jones was saying is, okay, let's decide on what is medium to high or high that we collectively should stay focused on. And when I say focus, go ahead, Jones. Oh, sorry to interrupt, Joe. I, yeah. I just wanted to bring up a, a quick point that uh, this goes back to why I think really quick thought risk management really is a fluid principle or sorry, the framework of risk management. An effective risk management program is one that is very fluid and very iterative because, you know, maybe risk management as a chore, if you will, if I, if, for example, I'm a PM or my team is the PMO function assigned to maintaining a risk register, we might be updating these logs on a regular basis that might be anything between daily to weekly to monthly. At the beginning of the project, you know, it's just as the same question as, oh, how much more resources do we need to get something done? Risk management, we, when we assign these impacts and probabilities, we might admittedly, anyone might not be as good to predict these things as they were two weeks later on into the future as the project progresses and we find out or anyone else finds out more about how the project is going we're able to analyze and understand the accuracies of our predictions better and better and so in risk management i think that this is why the framework needs to really transcend through time and be consistent in how it is very adaptive and how it is very iterative because as we go through the different motions of understanding how different business units come together, for example, then if we were weak in one hand, on, on one end, such as identifying risks, but we were good at evaluating risks, then the next cycle of activity, we would use those pro synergies better for it. Brad, I don't know if you have any thoughts to add on to that or any examples from your projects. Uh, I, yeah, I just wanted to take a step back quick. I think something really important that we do here at Witham, and it's really important that we tell our clients when we're going through the sales cycle is we're always going to be transparent with them. 
we will always let them know the severity of things. We're not going to hide behind an email chain or a Slack message. We're going to be upfront with them, identifying these risks because we know long term that's going to really either affect or benefit the health of the project. So whether it has to be moved up the executive chain and really be taken to accounted for right away, or if it's a just like you guys said, a negligible risk and we can deal with it later. But I think that's something we really do well here with them is we're transparent and we'll always point out the severity. And like Joe was stating how we rank it earlier and we do our simple math to point to display it and present it to our client, we're always going to give them full access to our risk register and we're going to make sure it's a team effort because there'll be risks that our client will identify that we couldn't see because it was happening internally on their side and we'll identify risks internally on ours. And that's why we always have to have regroups and constant discussions to identify these as a team. And I think, Joe, with all the clients you've worked with, you see they they enjoy that. And that helps comfort them along the process of a project, knowing, hey, Witham's looking out for us and pointing out everything that might occur and vice versa. It's a back and forth conversation. It, it most certainly is, Brad. And clearly, it is always a client's decision. We're an advisor, okay? Uh, even though we have a level of expertise, you can still disagree with us. If you think the likelihood is not as it's described, that's your decision. But we still want to have the conversation with you, okay? And the risk register that Jones and Brad have described, it's not a one and done exercise, folks. It's not. Now, others might treat it that way because when Jones started the conversation, it's not, okay, let me check the box. I did the risk register and put it over there on a shelf. If you do that, you're wasting your time. Projects evolve. Our complexity evolves. Our people evolve, okay? And therefore, the risk register should be a living document. Now, I know we only touched upon that we're going to identify what can go wrong and we're going to say what's in it what's the impact what's the probability but we go farther than that in our register we'll describe what is the ability to recover if it happens what is the time to recover if the risk does show to be an actual event and then who's going to be impacted internally and externally right along with okay for those that we deem medium to high, in our process at Witham, we'll say, what is the risk mitigation task? State it from the beginning. This way, it's to be calm about it, okay? So if it does occur, we're not all scrambling to say, what on earth are we going to do? We have our plan. We have our register, okay? And then in, in our perceived mitigation task, we're going to say who we need to contact, when we need to contact, okay? It's laying the plan in case something occurs, right? So we do have a very specific document, and we love having conversations with our clients because you might say, well, what kind of risk are you talking about, guys? Well, to us, very quickly, we can have client business risk. They might have a round of funding that's coming up, that if it doesn't occur, it could impact the project. So we better know about that as a risk, okay? We might have a client sponsor or stakeholder risk. Brad, what about our current client, right? They operate in the US and they operate in China. 
what did we just hear on an earlier call, <laughs> right? The China operations was going to a consultant to talk about running the business when they really needed to talk to their U.S. operations lead. So, yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah, no, just that's a great example, Joe. I mean, we have a client we work daily with very often, and they're, one of the risks that actually is now coming up and occurring is they have two separate subsidiaries, one in the U.S., one in China, and there was a lack of communication internally from them. And uh, that's a risk that is hard for us to identify because we don't sit in on those internal client conversations, obviously. And now that that's being presented, we got to take action. And we're at the tail end of this project and uh, it could have some impact. So we got to identify it. We got to have those tough conversations because it will be. And we're a little bit in crunch time. So risks can occur across the board and uh, sometimes they'll come out of nowhere and pretty quickly uh, just like it just happened to us but uh, that's just part of the advisory world and uh, we're going to do our best to make it work and to come up with a quick and efficient solution and uh, I know we'll be all right but it's just uh, sometimes humorous when you have a client that buys all in on risks they do their job in the registry they look at it frequently um, you'll have clients that are all in. They want to follow it to a T. And then you'll have some clients that are fly by the seat of their pants, as we like to say around here. And they'll actually ask you to dial it back. And for this specific one, we were requested, hey, you don't need to put this maximum effort. Let's put it elsewhere. And now it's kind of coming back to bite us. It's just part of how a client wants to be served. Right. And it's not severe, right? No. Because we've identified when there is disagreement, what should be done. And so it was quickly handled. We went to the U.S. leadership, connected back to China leadership, and they're, now they're talking about it, right? Yeah. Now, Jonesy, how about from you? So another category I have here is program management risks. Why don't you talk about our U.S. and U.K. client, okay, when we were uh, implementing an ERP software solution? What program management risk did you point out to them? I A big risk that... I, I still think of, to this day, a very, very awesome project. When we go back to the framework, for example, just really quickly, we looked at risks that we that need to be identified, risks that need to be evaluated, risks that need to be handled, you know, such as with Brad and Joe, your previous client's example, there was one type of risk. In this program management risk management that I kind of am thinking right now, it came at a time when my client wanted to jump into a new implementation of a new software. And because of their business and the nature of how their data was structured, getting that data into the new software relied on a third-party integrated program. And that in itself needed basically a whole round of discovery in the sense of, okay, if we need to use this third-party program, get data in there, what is the process going to look like? What are the risks from doing that? What is What do we need to configure, et cetera? And it came to a part where it came to a point where through it wasn't necessarily scope creep, but through understanding more and more just exactly this pivot, we realized that there was a lot of risk that that it might not work or it might not be the most optimal experience to do so and that we should dial it back based off of everything we've evaluated. Now, in that situation, a couple months back, the decision was that we would handle it by proceeding forward with the choice to bring in these data through this 
third-party program, and that our process of mitigation is to take what we've learned, take what our response was, and in a way make believe that constant and constant attention to the risk management program is enough to justify being super much more risk aggressive. And again, I think that I agree with you, Brad and Joe, that at the end of the day, we are an advisory. And so if clients have different risk profiles, that's okay. But I think that when we assign how to mitigate risks, we often have to go back to basics and look at whether our strategy is robust, whether it's fluid and whether it's adaptive. So when we look at something that can potentially happen and we look at who will be responsible, who will be affected if unlikely things happen, who can be held accountable and who who can be relevant enough to deal with it. I think that that's where we really add value in an organization or when we're put up against tough situations where a client might be risk aggressive or not. I think that our expertise is being able to look at our experiences and bring them all together to really provide what ifs. And if those what ifs happen, what are the fallouts of those items are, like you said. See, I think, you know, right there, you described that event. When we look at our risk register, Jones, that fell into two categories for us, right? It fell into our program management risk. And then it also fell into the category of integration and data risk. So for those listening, we could have a risk that will cross over different categories in the WITHAM risk register. Okay. Now, I don't, I'll, I'll close out with this one because we already talked about resources management in the previous podcast. Okay. I'm going to talk about a, a current example where I'm an ERP advisor to another private family company in the manufacturing space. And they selected a solution and a vendor, a software vendor that was specific to their industry. Okay. So this falls under the solution vendor risk, right? So here, Witham is an advisor, and we're doing our change management services. And there's another third party who's integrating their software solution. So the short story here is that the team that the vendor assigned to integrate the solution, once we started working more with them, it became evident that they did not have enough experience, okay, with the vertically designed software package. And our client expected them to have the industry and software knowledge experience. Because what was occurring was what I describe as lifting what they do today and shifting it over to this new solution. And we explained from the outset, we do not want to lift and shift. They purchased a vertical solution for their business and what we saw as a risk. And we had this as a risk from the outset, right? Does that solution fit your business? And they were all willing to change. But what occurred here is the people assigned by the software company did not have enough depth. Okay. And so what it caused is this client to say, project pause, time out. Do I have the right solution? Did we select the right solution in place? Okay. So this is an example 
by using a risk management program, we're now potentially going to save this client a couple of hundred thousand dollars by calling this out, by monitoring the risk and saying, let's make sure this is the right solution for you. Okay, not time will tell, but by having this program in place, it adds value. It's not overhead. It's going to add value and drive our success, right? For whatever the project is to be. So I'll, I'll shift it back to Jones and, and Brad. Hopefully yeah. we covered all the points that you wanted to today. Joe, I think that's a, a great example to actually end on. Sometimes risks are hard to talk about and hard to manage, and it takes a little of the nitty gritty work to really identify them and come up with solutions. But at the end of the day, we're doing it for our clients' benefit. We're doing it so they get the best out of the projects they're undergoing, whether it's a massive software change or a small change management, whatever it may be. We're there just to help them get the best out of each and every project they undertake. And uh, I think the example you just talked about, that's perfect. Uh, Yeah, that conversation was probably tough to have. um, But at the end of the day, you knew that solution wasn't right for them. And they might be overpaying for something that's not going to fit their needs. We want to make sure we're doing things that fit our clients' needs and are the most efficient and beneficiary as possible. So with that being said, I uh, hope everybody enjoyed this conversation today. As always, feel free to reach out to our advisory team with any questions. Bye, everyone. Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to Take Me to the Cloud. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to be alerted of new episodes. For more information, visit witham.com.